This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. With me is Matthew Bruni. Look, LSU-UCLA just a couple days away as we're recording on this Thursday as LSU is heading out to Los Angeles to get settled in. Uh, They wrapped up practice here as you're listening to this and boarded the plane to head out to L.A. to face the Bruins Saturday evening for those back in the central time zone on Fox. And with me now to preview the game is Matthew. And we talked earlier this week. We said we'd bring the full game preview podcast. And here we are. And let's lead off with this. Uh, You know, LSU uh, had Ed Ogeron on the radio show Wednesday night. Uh, He didn't really get to share too much. They were in meetings or something, and he had to join the show a little later. Uh, But we're going to kind of touch on some quick housekeeping, and that is the injury front. And Ed Ogeron said that LSU is as healthy as the team has been, um, but he did rule Armani Goodwin out for the game. Uh, He's got an injury he sustained in practice last week. We post or um, over the weekend, we posted that on go 24 seven said that he was doubtful and he's indeed out. Uh, so they're trying to obviously get him healthy for later in the year. Uh, we had Malik neighbors, the freshman wide receiver ruled out uh, for probably the first couple games. But other than that, Ed Odron shared that LSU is pretty healthy, which is good news for the tigers, Matt. Yeah. Uh, obviously you don't want to see anyone go down with injuries. Uh, Goodwin and Kiner, you know, just, two freshman backs that we were excited to get to see a little bit of but you know the big thing is john and marie and ty davis price being good to go there so um i'm excited to watch them and then malik neighbors obviously that one really sucks because he's gonna be out a few weeks uh but brian thomas from everything we've heard and everything you know we've been able to see at practice he's been a guy who should be able to step into that role pretty nicely and you know be able to make some plays i'm i'm interested to see how all of these receivers kind of look and how they kind of get snaps throughout this game, but, you know, we'll, we'll get into more of that on the, the preview front of this. Yeah. And you mentioned those receivers. So let's go ahead with some of the the keys to the game here as we preview this one. And, you know, Ed Ogeron said, Keishon Butte, obviously a starter, but other than that, they're going to rotate those wideouts in the game and they're going to rotate Ty Davis price, John Emery, Corey Kiner getting a little bit of a look, but in that wide receiver room, this is, you know, game one. It's not a, a directional school at home that you expect to beat the tar out of. Um, LSU expects to play well, but uh, they have some things to figure out. And one of my keys for the game is what does this wide receiver rotation look like? And how does the timing work out with Max Johnson as those guys get, um, you know, run in and out of the game as they figure out who the hot hand is, who, who can really help them offensively? Uh, Jake Peets is going to be calling the game. From the press box, just like Steve Ensminger and Joe Brady did in 2019, he'll have DJ Mangus alongside him. Mangus was next to Brady in 2019 in the press box as well. But this is one of the things where they're going to have to sort this out quickly to find out who the go-to guys outside of Keishon Butte are going to be. 
And it's a plethora of guys. And so that's one of the things I'm watching on offense is how does this wide receiver room step up, who steps up uh, and and really becomes one some of those you know go to targets for Max Johnson. Yeah, the the interesting thing from the receiver room for me is obviously you have Boutte who can take the top off defenses, but also can just do everything. But who's going to fill those other roles of being the guy who can take the top off a of defense, you know, deep threat, and then who's going to fill into those, whether it's a slot role or whether it's just a guy playing in between the sticks. Um, how do you think that's all going to shake out with players, whether that's Coy Moore, Jare Jenkins, just do you think that they're going to have like kind of defined roles uh, going early on going into this game? Or do you think it's just going to be kind of Boutte and uh, the others? I think they're going to look for some roles, uh, you know, have those personnel packages that they want to get maybe like in the red zone. We see Brian Thomas Jr. uh, who's going to play a lot more now that Malik Neighbors is out. Um, He's probably going to start is what we're hearing. And and then from there, you know, when they're in the middle of the field, you know, are they looking to go more four wide? Um, We've heard, you know, the the tight end Cole Taylor is going to start, but you know, he's somebody that isn't really a pass catcher. So what are their overall personnel groupings? I think Jare Jenkins is the guy they're looking to really step up. Uh, and I've, I've got a hot take uh, for you guys. You know, we're, we're going to have some of those later. Uh, and he's involved in that one. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that's the the question is, what does it look like in the middle of the field? What does it look like in the red zone? Uh, how much four wide do we see? Do we see more of a three wide with with the tight end and 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 Ty Davis Price or John Emery in the backfield? That's kind of the the question mark for me. I, I think we see them have uh, for game one some some personnel groupings uh, and maybe try to be a little bit more planned out uh, versus uh, maybe just kind of letting it fly as far as um, uh, you know picking your wideouts and sticking with them. Yeah, that that's a really interesting point. That's why I'm I'm glad. Uh... You answered that really well. The I'm going to look at the defense side of the ball, and you could really go anywhere with this defense because I just plug. I just wrote a published a story on Go Seven on for our VIPs of uh, the five storylines to watch on defense, and I was like, I, all of these storylines just really interesting. Like I could go anywhere with these, and, but I'm really looking at looking forward to seeing how the corners do and how the corners play. Like specifically, I wrote this in in the article. If this was any other cornerback do, I feel like we would be kind of worried going into this game, or at least maybe even more than kind of worried. Like these are two guys in Eli Ricks and Derek, Derek Stingley who haven't really practiced that much, or at least haven't gone, you know, full speed, good on good scrimmage type stuff consistently. They've been injured for a majority of camp. And now they come into this UCLA game and albeit I've said a hundred times, I mean, they're probably the best cornerback duo in the country. Uh, but, you know, asking them to just kind of turn it on is going to be something really interesting to me. Does it limit the uh, what Durante Jones can call? Does it limit, you know, maybe the zone usage, maybe the communication aspect? You know, uh, do they play more man? That's all what I'm really interested to see. But, you know, I, I'm also of the belief that it probably won't matter because those two corners are just significantly better than UCLA's receivers and they should be able to guard them however they want to and uh we'll be, look back and be like all right well they can just turn it on because they're that good but that's still something really interesting to me like these corners are just gonna they're just gonna turn it on they didn't have a ton of fall camp but they're gonna be perfectly fine that's what i'm interested to see how they kind of uh approach that yeah i mean i think 
you know, watching them last year and watching Derek Stingley, you know, the past couple of years, they're they're most likely going to be able to turn it on. And it's just a matter of getting them to game day. But I agree. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it's anyone else, you're probably sitting there saying, well, you know, how are they going to be? Are they <laughs> are they actually healthy or whatever? But I think they're just trying to get them to game day. And uh, I, you know, judging from how Ed Ogeron's handled that in the past, I think it's going to work, you know, yeah. up front the defensive line is a key to this game for sure. And, and them living up to uh, the expectations that have been laid out there and judging from Chip Kelly uh, talking about center, Sam Marazzo, uh, who has kind of been in practice, but not really um, with the first team or second team. That's one of their keys in the middle for UCLA. And so having Neil Farrell, having, Joe Evans, Mason Smith, uh, Jacqueline Roy, uh, Jacoby and Gillery, those guys rotate. You Can they get pressure on the interior? And to kind of build off of that, this run game for UCLA had a lot of uh, success in game one. You know, uh, Zach Charbonnet had a big game. Britton Brown went off as well uh, with the solid yards per carry. Um, you know, wasn't the wasn't the 17 yards per carry that Zach Charbonnet had. Uh, but, but it's a... Um, it's a front that has to dominate. And I think, you know, not having Sam Marazzo potentially could be key for UCLA, for LSU's defense to be able to get penetration inside and, and try to shut down this run game. Yeah, this this is what everybody in the country has basically talked about when they talk about this game. It's UCLA's run game. Are they going to be able to run the ball effectively? Uh, because if they are, they can, you know, maybe dictate the pace of the game, maybe dictate the clock. Um, and they do have two very good running backs. They have a solid offensive line that albeit might be a little banged up now, but this is going to pretty much determine the game here. How much does LSU's run defense, how good does LSU's run defense look and how good do they perform? Obviously last year it was, it was a struggle a lot of times, but this front six, front seven, whatever, whatever you want to call it is should has the talent to slow down this UCLA offense and, Albeit Chip Kelly, I don't think showed a lot of his hand last week. I think we're going to see a lot more, whether it's dynamic play calling, um, very various run schemes. I think there's a lot that they did not show in that Hawaii game because that Hawaii game was basically over after a quarter. Um, but there still is the belief and there is an understanding that LSU's defense should be able to slow down this run game. And then you make DTR throw the ball. And that's where those corners that we talked about earlier can really start to play. And, uh, you know, Jay Ward at safety um, as well. And, and um, Burns at safety. And so then you start letting those guys make plays and that's where LSU can kind of turn it around, but it all starts with stopping the run. Yeah. And, and UCLA on the flip side is going to have to stop Kayshawn Butte. And here's where we kind of move into the hot takes portion and I'm not going to say that Kayshawn Butte is going to be shut down. So let me be very clear before you know LSU fans come at us. <laughs> be like clear. That. Be clear. Yeah, right after this uh, podcast gets put online. But I'm gonna I'm gonna say Dre Jenkins leads LSU in, re- in receiving. You know he's Ooh. he's been somebody that uh, is just been the steady name as the second receiver for LSU in this offense. Um, you know I think he's going to have an opportunity to get open. Uh, he's he's that veteran guy. He he is poised to have, I think, a breakout year. And so I'm going to say this is kind of his coming out party uh, in this offense and, uh, you know, just outpaces Kayshawn Butte in in receiving for LSU, which quite honestly will be a good thing. I think Kayshawn Butte is going to have a good game. We've heard so much about how much better he's looked, uh, which is saying something in, uh, you know, how he came off that All-American, freshman All-American season. 
but I'm still going to go with Keisha, uh, with uh, Dre Jenkins leading LSU and receiving this game. No, that's that's a that's a really good one. That's a really good one. Um, mine, I don't know if it's as hot, but I'm going to go with LSU as a team brings down three interceptions and one is Jay Ward. I think their secondary is just going to swarm this UCLA um, receiving core, and I don't think DTR is going to have as much open to throw us. And I think a couple of them could come late, you know, as they're as they're trying to come back. But I'm going to say three interceptions from this LSU defense, and one definitely comes from Jay Ward in the secondary. So that's that. And that again, UCLA is going to have to run the ball very well. But if they get behind, then you know that's where they're going to start have to start throwing the ball. So that's what that's what I'm looking for. I like yours though a lot. Yeah, I think LSU is going to, you know, have um, an opportunity to to go to work on Dorian Thompson Robinson. You know, I, I think Chip Kelly, he he talked about it this week, uh, how, you know, Dor- Dorian Thompson Robinson has stepped up in big games for them. But I just can't see him not throwing at least one interception against LSU. So, I mean, you're on the right track with that, uh, with those takeaways. The one thing, um, if, if the way I kind of look at it is if UCLA's offense – has consistent success and a balanced attack, it's going to be because of Chip Kelly. It'll be because Chip Kelly has schemed it. Chip Kelly is a step ahead of LSU. That's the way I look at it. I don't look at it as DTR is just going to come out and light LSU up or anything like that. I think if you for UCLA to win this game, it's going to have to be because Chip Kelly just is a step ahead the entire time. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think that's 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 the key. And and this is, you know, a chance for Dante Jones to make a big name for himself. I, I've talked him up on the board uh, on Go 24-7 just, you know, about what he's been able to do and how he's been able to connect with the guys. And he gets thrown in the fire week one. You know, LSU is facing one of the better offensive play callers in the past, you know, two decades of college football and, and, and a name that, you know, has, has certainly given a lot of defensive coordinators nightmares. So, you know, Durante Jones has his hands full, but it's a chance for him to make a name for himself right away. Yeah. Uh, you want to get to best and worst case scenarios? Yeah, let's do it. I, and right, I think good. I think one thing that could surprise uh, LSU fans, you know, watching is, is the offensive line. And they're going to have to prove it. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm They're still a question mark, but they – could very well surprise with how much, how well they protect. I think it's a question mark going in, but I think they've been, you know, kind of dogged all off season and honestly, rightfully so, but you know, for a best case scenario and honestly, something that could surprise, I think LSU's offensive line comes out and plays a, a clean game. Yeah. That's and, and UCLA has some defensive ends and linebackers that can get up to the quarterback, whether it's Mitchell Aguda or Carl Jones, both of them had really good games against Hawaii. So um, like you said, they've been kind of dog to this whole this whole fall camp, but now we are in the season and, uh, you know, what they've said has been true. They've gone against one of the best offense, defense lines in the country, so they should be prepared at this point for UCLA. So, yeah, what 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 are what are your thoughts in terms of best and worst case scenario? I mean, obviously, worst case scenario is LSU looks disjointed offensively, trying to get rhythm, leads to some turnovers. They're battling back, trying to get back, you know, into the game if UCLA can capitalize them. I, I think that's the worst case scenario as far as the start goes. But best would be, you know, opening up with a with a stop defensively, maybe get a big play or a turnover that really leads to some momentum for the rest of the game. Yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. I think it, it's going to kind of be a feel out process early on. But the first team to 
I feel like the first turnover is going to be really big in this game. Like the first team to make that mistake is going to be really, really hurting because you look at both quarterbacks and both quarterbacks have some question marks, right? DTR and Max Johnson. We look at both of them like, all right, they can do some things and they can use their legs, but it's going to come down to, can they make the right decisions when it matters? And if they come out of the gates and let's say Max Johnson comes out and throws an early pick and sets up the defense in a bad position at like the 35 or something like that, then we can start being like, okay, this is not the this is not a good start. And this is where UCLA can run the ball. This is where UCLA can get into different packages and start to maybe stretch out this LSU defense. But if DTR comes out, throws a pick, that's where I think LSU can really start to blow top off. I think the the best case for me is like like I said, forcing the first turnover, first quarter, maybe early second quarter. But then I think Case John Butte. If he has a big game, that this game is over. If he has a game of 150 receiving yards, this game is over. I think that's where they can really start to burn you is with Boutte over the top and in, the, in those intermediate routes. Um, and if Max Johnson just doesn't turn the ball over, if he let's say he doesn't have to light the world on fire, but if he just has, you know, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, or, you know, uh, three touchdowns, zero interceptions with, you know, 16 for 20 on nothing crazy here. Um, but if he has a really good game like that, then we look at that as a best case scenario. A uh, worst case, they can't stop UCLA's run game. And I think that is something that's really interesting because I've looked at a lot of betting stuff over the weekend or over the weekend, over the week. And I'm just like, they have UCLA's over under total points right now at 30, 30 and a half. And I don't see how they can hit 30 and a half, even if they run the ball well, because running the ball will obviously takes a good amount of time out the clock. Then if they run the ball well, maybe LSU starts creeping up, creeping up, and then, boom, they hit a couple big plays. And that's worst-case scenario for LSU is that UCLA starts to just get in a groove of running the ball, and they can't do anything besides bring those safeties down and really hope that Rick Stingley and Flott can can guard. Um, and then, you know, maybe just one bust is all UCLA needs there to get regain momentum. So. Um, yeah, that's probably worst case scenario for me, not stopping the run, but uh, there are a good amount of best case scenarios you could come up with. And I think it starts with the defense forcing a couple turnovers. Well, you, you brought up uh, the the gambling corner that you've been uh, working on basically, I guess, this week. Uh, and always fun to look at some of these props. And and you picked out some of your own for, for us to kind of go through and uh, so, so let's run through them. Uh, yeah, these, these are, these are made up as well. I don't, I don't want anybody going and looking for them in a book or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're the bookie though. Yeah, I'm, I'm the bookie. This is Bruni's bookies. <laughs> yeah. So Keishon Butte over under 110 receiving yards. Who I'm going to say over, I'm going to be the optimist here. Uh, I know you, um, you talked about Jare Jenkins and Keishon Butte, both having really good games when you brought that up. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go over uh, 110 is, is a good amount, even though we've seen Boutte go for, you know, over 200 a few times, but I think he's going to be an emphasis of this UCLA defense. They're going to throw a lot at him, um, probably give him a lot of safety help as well. So there could be stretches where he doesn't touch the ball, but I think he's going to hit a big player too, and that'll get him over the top. Uh, I am going to go under, but, but, but I think it's going to be something like, uh, Four or five catches, 95 yards, two touchdowns. I think he's going to be a yeah, difference. Which would still maker. be incredible. Yeah, which is still a huge game. Uh, and and just 
him hitting, you know, a couple big plays or being, you know, getting getting the, you know, touchdowns, I think that opens it up for Dre Jenkins to go over 110 yards receiving, has that big game that LSU needs uh, from one of these receivers, at least outside of Kayshawn Boutte. Uh, and that means, you know, Max Johnson has a pretty solid game, a real solid outing. So this one kind of leads in pretty well. Do you think he gets over or under 45 rushing yards? That's a lot. Yeah, I, I looked at his two starts from last year, and they were 53 and 45, I believe, were the two, uh, the Ole Miss and, and Florida games last year, um, which is why I, th- I put it at 45. And so now I'm thinking, you know, with that in the back of my, my mind, I'm like, okay, well, now he's a full-time starter. He's had a full offseason. But then we remember that they only have two scholarship quarterbacks. So how much do you really want to run him? If this game is close, I can definitely see him hitting the over. Um, as the more control LSU gets on the game, I can definitely see less, you know, scrambles for fighting for first downs and stuff like that. I'm going to go under, uh, probably around 35 to 40, um, for Max Johnson. I still think he has a few effective runs, but now that he is the guy and he is, um, one of only two scholarship guys, uh, um, I'm going to go under and I think that they don't run him as much. I'm going to agree with you. I, I think that's uh, something that Ed Ogeron is going to have to be cognizant of this season is obviously running Max Johnson or at least like when they had Joe Burrow telling him to get down and slide and get out of bounds and do all those things. Uh, that's going to be key is keeping him healthy. And so I don't think we see that many designed runs. And I think LSU is going to have enough passing lanes to be able to you know, allow him to kind of sit back there at times and, and make decisions and throw the football uh, rather than take off and pick up chunks of yardage. I'm going to go under, but just barely, like you said, kind of like 35, 40 yards. Um, you know, if he's running the ball, I think that is going to open up a, a big uh, area for LSU to throw the ball. So it'd be helpful if he decides to take off and run. But, you know, all LSU fans this year, I think, are going to be saying, Max, slide, 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 get out of bounds, get out of bounds, get out of bounds, uh, not take too many chances uh, just because he is, uh, like you said, one of two scholarship quarterbacks. They've got to keep him healthy. They've got to have him uh, for this season to go the right way, kind of, uh, quite honestly. Uh, it's got to be the Max Johnson show, which means uh, he needs to stay healthy. And uh, with that, we talked about the rushing you know, yardage for Max Johnson, but over under LSU, one and a half rushing yards as a team. This is this one. This one's tough for me because – I mean, one and a half is not a ton, so like there's a good chance they can hit two. Um, but I, I really think this game comes down to I think Butte and the receivers have have a good game, and I think that they put up a few touchdowns here. And so I'm I'm not as y'all will see with my prediction. I'm I'm not having I don't have LSU in the 40s or anything like that. So um, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under um, partially. Part of that's because I trust the receiving core a lot more than I trust the running backs at this point, but also that's because we haven't seen it. And it's kind of like, you have to show it to me, Ty Davis price, John Emery. I really want to see what they do. I really want to see how they play and how the offensive line plays uh, in the run game. So um, I don't see them breaking like a 15 plus yard run for a touchdown. I think it's going to have to be at the goal line situation for these rushing touchdowns. And so that's, that's one for me. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to go over. I think they're going to, uh, and this kind of goes back to what my score prediction will be. You know, I think LSU is going to put some points up, and I think they're going to execute well and sustain drives. They'll have a, you know, 
I think with this offense, what LSU is hoping uh, is for obviously some big plays, explosive plays, and they're going to be able to pick up chunks of yardage, maybe pick up a touchdown or two from big plays. But I think they're going to be able to sustain some drives. And that's where I think you could see Max Johnson maybe pick up a rushing touchdown in the red zone. Uh, Ty Davis Price or John Emery pick up a rushing touchdown in the in the red zone. So I'm going to go over. I'm going to I'm going to say they get two rushing touchdowns uh, and okay. and hit that over on that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It'll it'll be interesting. Uh, the the dynamics of this offense are just really interesting to me. Without 100% without having seen them play, just you know seeing the personnel on the field, it's it's an interesting dynamic. I I can't wait to see how how it plays out. And here's one more for you, putting you on the spot for the second go straight ahead. podcast. Who's the Go team's ahead. leading leading tackler? I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Demon Clark. I'm gonna go Clark. Um, I think I think Clark will will end up doing it. Uh, I think Baskerville will have a decent game. I could also see the, those other linebackers kind of rotating in, taking a few of those tackles as well. Um, I don't think it'll be Cordell Flott on on at the nickel. Um, I hope it's not one of the corners because. As someone who covered North Texas last year, where the corners led a lot of the a lot of the tackles, that's because they weren't they were letting them catch the ball. So um, I don't think it'll be a corner. Um, maybe it'll be a safety, but I'm gonna go Demon Clark. Uh, no, maybe 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 a defensive lineman has a crazy game. That that'd be interesting. I'm gonna go the other starting linebacker, Micah Baskerville, uh, for LSU, leading the team in tackles. Uh, I think he's coming off a strong camp. He's gonna you know put a put his foot down and and put the final exclamation point on. Uh, the work he's put in and, and how he came on strong last year. So I'm going to pick Micah Baskerville, and now it's time to pick the game. So, Matt, do you want to lead off and sure, make sure. your first prediction, uh, sure. you know, on game week as a go 24-7 staff? Ma- sure. staff I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. Um, I got LSU winning 31 to 20. I think this is going to be a little bit more of a defensive game than uh, some people think, a lot of people think. For that matter, I think the over-under was at 65 and a half, something like that, which is a good amount of points to me uh, for, you know, an LSU offense I need to see a little bit more of. Uh, I'm going to go 31-20. I could see it being a little more 35 for LSU, maybe 35-24, but I'm going to go 31 31 to 20. I think the defense has a really, really good first game, and that kind of sets the tone. I'm going to go 34 uh, to 23. I think UCLA kicked some field goals that, that they probably will in the end wish they had either gone for it or, or you know, scored some touchdowns, finished some drives off. I'm going to go uh, 34-23. Uh, LSU controls the game for the most part. I think there's going to be naturally a little bit of uh, feeling out uh, for LSU with both yeah. coordinators, how they call the game, flow of the game, things like that. Um, but I think LSU... Uh, has enough ha- halftime adjustments, makes adjustments throughout the game that allows them to pull away and, and win 34-23. Uh, so I, I don't think that hits the over. Uh, my math is right, but, um, you know, still a, a solid, efficient showing from LSU um, that, that you know, leads them to a win in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I think we'd be, I think I'd be pretty content as, as, as a viewer to see them score over 30. Um, especially um, if it's a clean 30, you know, it's not one of these 30s where they have three turnovers. Like if it's a clean 30 where they're, you know, dick, where they're able to run the ball, they're 
Uh, Max Johnson's efficient. Even if they don't hit as many big plays as maybe we'd like them to, um, an efficient 30-plus would be would be a much welcome sight for me. Yeah, I, I think so too. And 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 again, it, a lot of this, uh, you know, picking this game, you know, comes back to LSU's done a really good job in season openers under Ed Ogeron. So I, I'm fairly confident LSU is going to be able to get this one done and and come away with a win and and give the state of Louisiana a big, you know, lift um, after this this past week or so that they've they've had to go through too. Yep, for sure. Um, and. Quick plug for anybody who on Saturday maybe will be watching it, um, whether it's by themselves or anything like that, or watching it in a different place or anything like that. Um, I'm going to be doing another watch party stream on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. It'll be streamed to all those platforms, so be sure to tune in. I know our Facebook did a lot, uh, and YouTube did a lot last last week when we streamed the UCLA Hawaii watch party. So. Um, yeah, we'll be doing that for LSU UCLA. Be sure to check that out. Uh, we'll be going live probably 10, 15 minutes before kickoff. So be on the lookout for that. I'll have something on the board as well. So yeah, check that out. Awesome. Well, guys, football is here. Hope you guys uh, have enjoyed all of our fall camp coverage and our preview coverage uh, of LSU UCLA. Uh, we're going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, give us a follow wherever you check out your podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and also hit that subscribe button on go247.com to get all the VIP notes on team and recruiting that you need with the season here. You can try us for just a dollar for your first month. So check that out. So for Matt Bruni, I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Go247 podcast. And we'll catch you guys after the game uh, for um, all the post-game reaction. You can follow it all on the board and we'll have a podcast out reviewing LSU UCLA um, sometime after the game. So Hope you guys enjoyed this edition and have a great weekend. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.